Welcome to the Freewheeling Podcast, the place for free-thinking ideas in transport and mobility. My name is Thomas Abelman, and each week I'll bring you fresh voices, new ideas, and unconventional thinking. So let's get started now with this week's edition of the Freewheeling Podcast. We're exactly six months into the Freewheeling Podcast, so now seems like a good moment to stop and take stock. I won't be broadcasting new episodes during August, many of my listeners are away, and to be honest, many of my guests are away as well, so I'll be back in September with new people to listen to. But I just thought I'd spend a bit of time looking back at the guests from the first six months. Now, I can't pick favourites as such, can I? I mean, they've all been wonderful in their different ways, but I know that many of my listeners don't listen to every single episode, so if there's a handful to go back and listen to during August on those Thursdays when there isn't a new one, then let me just pick out a few for various different reasons. Now, I think, you know, picking out my favourite episodes would be a bit like choosing my favourite children. Uh, but there's one particular one which I will I will pick out because it so absolutely fulfilled the goal that I'd got from the conversation that I'd set out to have. When I arranged to speak to James Freeman, I wanted to learn something very specific. There were four places in Britain where bus use has grown in the last 10 years, and James Freeman had been managing director of the bus company in three of them. And I wanted to understand, had he got some magic formula that everyone else could learn from? And my word, I learned that he had. It was a fascinating conversation. His clarity of thinking and the precision of the way he just went through, almost felt like a formula, but a formula that took five to seven years and involved vast amounts of hard work. Fundamentally, it was all about treating people with respect. It was about treating drivers with respect and treating customers with respect. And on that very simple foundation was a huge amount of effort, uh, communication effort, human effort, management effort, uh, but also in marketing, creating dedicated root brands, dedicating dedicated root colour schemes, putting dedicated drivers onto route so they got to know their customers, and above all, creating a sense and a culture of a winning team. Uh, I found James truly inspirational. And that message around success in transport and mobility being fundamentally around humans and treating humans with respect and decency is one that I really hope as many people as possible get to listen to. My conversation with Katie Taylor also focused a lot on people and it also focused a lot on some of the same themes that we heard from James around obsession with customers, understanding customers, though Katie looks at it from a different lens of the telescope. Um, She's been at head office at the Go Ahead Group, um, trying to motivate government to support the bus industry and the rail industry, but especially the bus industry, through a multi-year strategic approach. But actually, the things that she said as she departed the industry and left us with some words of wisdom um, rang very true from the point of view of James. Focus on people, focus on customers, focus on quality, um, get the basics right, and there's a very bright future for the bus industry. But she had some words of warning as well with regard to the future of the rail industry. She doesn't feel that we have the right structure going forward, and she doesn't sound like she's convinced that the right structure or the, the structure that's being proposed will generate the right people, and people is what it's all about for her. So have a listen to what Katie's got to say on the future of the rail industry as well. It's interesting talking to James and to Katie because they focused a lot on people and the way we think. And the way we think was the subject of my conversation with Rory Sutherland. I probably have more feedback about my discussion with Rory than anyone else. I mean, he's a, he's a force of nature. I, I say a conversation, it wasn't really a conversation. Um, I introduced it. Um, 
I welcomed him to the program and then he just let rip. And I'm, I think I may have got about 10 words in edgeways during the entire rest of the discussion. But quite frankly, there was no need to interrupt him. Uh, he had a lot to say and it was all worth listening to. And Rory's message was that we're all too logical in transport. We're all focused on, on metrics and timetables. Uh, and we're not focused on the things that customers care about because customers are people and people have feelings and emotion. And actually people make decisions on the basis of feelings and emotion. And we need to meet people where they are and create feelings and emotional experiences. And he had so many different examples of that. So you'll have to listen to the, the episode to, to, to hear all of them. But that sense that when we're not quite where our customers are he felt you know, one, one of the interesting things is he felt you know the, the transport industry is just too masculine and that you you need a broader diversity of perspective because without that diversity of perspective you end up becoming siloed into this into this rigid way of thinking and that very much reflected the conversation with katie as well around this sense that transport doesn't have a diverse way of thinking um that you know, it's not just about gender diversity or ethnic diversity though those are really important gaps in the transport industry but it's just about diversity of thought and culture um, and that was the nature of my conversation with nina lockwood when we spoke around is there a transport type is this is this true is roy's perspective correct that there is this rather rigid way of thinking and nina's view was it absolutely was and to an extent it is and that's what brought her into the transport industry as a recruiter because she saw in the transport industry a sector that wasn't focused on its customers and that really needed to bring new people in and a diverse way of thinking in um, to help change that and she feels that's work in progress she's she feels like you know there's progress been made but we're not there yet and we also sp talked specifically about why there is this gender gap in, in transport why don't we have more women in transport and both rory and Katie had told me the importance of that diversity of perspective to getting different and better decisions. So, so far, this has all been around people. Um, but of course, if we're doing free thinking ideas, we cannot ignore the impact of new technology. And no one has thought about this in more depth than Horace Dedeyou, the man who coined the term micromobility for e-bikes and e-scooters. And Horace is looking not an at the UK, he's looking at a global perspective and he's looking at trends over the next 30, 40 years. And he believes that micromobility is the future of urban transport. He believes that it has advantages that traditional public transport simply cannot match. And that this isn't a question of choice. Uh, this is what is going to happen. And he doesn't know quite how. Um, he, know, he, he sees the future as chaotic. Um, and the result of a whole series of forces that we can't seek to control, but that micromobility has advantages akin to the iPhone um, when compared to a desktop computer. You just can't ignore the fact that something cheap and small with incredible capabilities will become dominant. So it's really worth listening to Horace Dedeyou for that long view um, and that broad view over future technology. Now, one technology that probably isn't going to come true is um, tunnels under Cambridge carrying autonomous pods. Uh, I really enjoyed my conversation with James Palmer because I, I don't know enough about um, the Cambridge Autonomous Metro. I've not spent enough time digging deep into it to know if that is the future or not. But I thought it was great that someone was trying to come up with 
new ideas and something that was quite different. And if it didn't work, then it wasn't that great. And maybe it wouldn't have worked. I don't know. We, we will now never know. But you know, trying to come up with different ideas for solving transport problems. You know, I, let's go back to James Freeman earlier. So much is getting the basics right. And we must keep focused on that. But also um, innovative new solutions such as uh, the one that James Palmer was promoting. Now, of course, James Palmer... Uh, isn't going to be progressing that because he lost his 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 position in the election as the mayor of Cambridgeshire, um, and that's a reminder of the huge influence that politics plays in the world of transport and mobility. And my conversation with Lillian Greenwood was all about how transport and politics interact from the perspective of someone who has spent the last decade in the point of that overlap. Lillian Greenwood has been chair of the Transport Select Committee. She's still on the Transport Select Committee. She's been shadow transport secretary responding on transport issues for Labour. Um, so she had a wealth of insight on how that political process works, as did Andrew Adonis, who I had a similar conversation with about what it's like being a cabinet minister. You know, he's been Secretary of State for Transport. He's you know, probably the person who invented HS2. We, we didn't spend much time on HS2, actually, and that subject's been done to death. We spent our time on the political process and the government process, um, what works and what doesn't, how you can isolate yourself and insulate yourself from the constant buffeting of events to try to create long-term strategic vision, which is what Andrew Adonis, Lord Adonis, set out to do um, and probably achieve more than virtually any other transport secretary in my lifetime. Um, politics, you know, there's been two massive political stories affecting transport in the period of the six months that the freewheeling podcast has been out. Um, we've had Bus Back Better, um, the national bus strategy, and we've had the Shaps Williams review, um, the, 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 the rail white paper. So if you want to dig deep into those, then I've got some fantastic guests who will help you do that. Um, I had a great conversation with Leon Daniels um, about the bus strategy, um, and I spoke to Michael Holden and Diane Crowther about the rail white paper. Um, some really interesting insights for both of those. And as I said earlier, Katie Taylor also has some perspectives on the rail white paper that it's well worth listening to as well. So there, some of the some of the key conversations that looking back, um, if you didn't get to hear them first time, um, and you've got you know, an hour spare during August, then have a listen to some of those. But um, there's probably a whole bunch of other ones that are less obviously topical. But I tried in those six months of freewheeling podcast has been live so far to not just focus on events that are taking place now and the people that obviously have something to say on the subject of transport and mobility, but to try to bring in some different voices as well and some ideas that we don't always get to hear. So two others in that, two of my sort of wild cards in that spirit are um, Kate Jeffrey, uh, who is a professor focusing on the neuroscience of navigation. How do our brains process the information around us in order for us to be able to make navigational decisions? And the final one I'll mention now is Rock Sanford. I, I, it, was a, it was an amazing conversation because he was doing the, the podcast recording from an uninhabited island, um, which is where he lives. Um, he's an activist in uh, Extinction Rebellion, um, and you know, he absolutely lives his beliefs um, he lives on a Hebridean island, uh, not connected to the grid, um, on his own. And the day I spoke to him, there was it was a stunning day. I could see this blue sky. I could see the the water lapping on the beach next to his hut, and it was wow. You, know, you could you could see the point he was making. But as he talked to me about on the podcast, you know, 
it, that's fine. But actually, when it's raining in November and it's a six-mile walk across the island to get to the point where he can pick up his boat to get to the mainland, um, it's not always so easy. But an extraordinary man um, living his beliefs in that way. And it's worth getting to grips with how Extinction Rebellion works and what they want um, because, you know, they have interacted with transport constantly. But also, actually, they make decisions in really interesting ways. And from a corporate governance point of view, they're, they're worth listening to as well. So there are just a few of the, the last six months' worth of episodes. Um, if there's anything there that you're interested in that you didn't hear the first time, then do dig in. Um, if you get a chance to go on and give Freewheeling a rate and review, I'd love you for it. And I look forward to being back with some more guests in September. Bye. Bye.